Uh, the Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. John, uh, chapter 10, beginning at the 11th verse. So you hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself uh, in your word, and I pray that that would be something that we experience this morning. Um, I pray that you would be at work through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, enlightening us and teaching us uh, about the truth, um, that we may bring in your kingdom, in your name, amen. I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you hear Jesus describe himself as the good shepherd. Of all the sayings of Jesus, uh, I suspect that this is the one which has been most used in sort of tacky Christian greeting cards. Um, so there's a good chance that what you first imagine really is gentle Jesus, meek and mild, uh, with a lamb under his arm. As you think through the last week, and maybe as you start to look into the week to come, such an image may not actually feel particularly relevant or even striking what does, it, what does it mean for Jesus to be the good shepherd? Well, what does it mean to his first audience? Of course, it's a very different image from that which it evokes for us today. When I think of sheep, I think of plump animals in a rich green field surrounded by dry stone walls with a mountain stream running down the side. And I imagine the farmer appearing every now and then with his Land Rover to spray paint the sheep and, uh, and leave them be. And I'm sure there's a little bit more to farming than that, but that's what I imagine. Um, and of course, that's a very, very different image from what would have been in uh, Jesus' mind. Instead of Lake District grass, there was desert and scrub. These creatures had no field uh, and would have followed the shepherd faithfully wherever he went. If they got lost, that would have meant certain death. They would be totally reliant uh, on the shepherd, both for finding food and water and also for protection from wild animals. 
And the shepherd would have spent all day every day with these sheep, taking them out in the morning, bringing them home in the evening, treating their scratches and their wounds before dark, and then sleeping in the gateway of the pen to stop animals getting in uh, during the night. So as a sheep, to follow a shepherd would mean to have one eye constantly on him, no matter how tasty the bush you might be nibbling at the time might have been. Um, always watching where the shepherd might next be going, knowing that the only thing that really matters is staying close to the shepherd. If you imagine a watering hole, what would happen is several herds would often end up getting mixed up together uh, to drink, and it would be bedlam. It would be like a beach, you know, those images on BBC documentaries of a beach full of penguins, and somehow in the din of birds, each bird can find their own mate. And in the same way, each sheep uh, would have known the call of their shepherd and would go to him the minute it was time to move off elsewhere. And as the shepherd moved off from the waterhole, the sheep would have appeared out of the rabble to follow him. So it wasn't just a relationship that was closer than a modern Western shepherd might have with their sheep. It was a life or death relationship. The sheep was totally reliant on the shepherd and knew nothing other than to trust him. So as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that is something of the image that would have been in Jesus' mind. And it may be that that's what you need to engage with this morning. It may be that you need to remember this week that no matter how important or how self-sufficient you feel, that you are actually a sheep. You're a vulnerable, naive creature who is completely dependent on the guidance and protection of a shepherd for survival. And he's a shepherd who has shown himself to be fully committed to your well-being in the act of laying down his life for you. But I think uh, that his listeners would have heard another couple of layers to Jesus' words, in addition to just the material image of a good shepherd. Jesus is evoking a familiar Old Testament passage. The people of Israel are often described as a flock and its leaders as shepherds. Let me read you an edited version of Ezekiel 34. Therefore, you shepherds, because my flock lacks a shepherd and so has been plundered, plundered and has become food for the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore I am against the shepherds. I will remove them from tending the flock. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I will rescue them from all the places uh, where they were scattered on the days of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. They will lie down in good grazing land. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. And let me just point out a couple of quick ideas that we see there. Firstly, we see that the good shepherd is sent to replace the bad shepherds who don't care for God's people or in the words of Jesus, the hired hands who don't care. And the second thing simply is that the good shepherd is in fact God himself come to rescue his people, to bring them into fresh new grazing land. In Jeremiah 23, this is made more explicit as a messianic passage, but we won't read that now. But Jesus is hinting at the idea that he himself is God, come to rescue his scattered sheep, now, this isn't a new claim. He's made it before, and he's already caused enough offense uh, to incite the Jewish leaders to plan his death. 
but the authority that he is claiming goes far beyond what even they can imagine. They may be ready to kill him, and in fact he is going to die, but whatever power they think they might have, he himself will determine his death. He has this extraordinary notion of he being the one who is going to choose to die. He is going to lay down his life uh, for his sheep. Somehow, in ways which he doesn't actually delve into in this passage, being the Messiah and leading his sheep into new grazing is something that is going to cost him his life. So he has authority over death, and that will be proven in him passing through death and taking up his life again. We see the contrast between him and the the bad shepherds or the hired hands lived out in the plot line uh, which sits behind where Jesus is speaking. In chapter 9, Jesus gives sight to a man who's born blind. And if you read the story, you'll see that this man is still sitting at Jesus' feet when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And yet the Jewish authorities to whom he is speaking refused to believe that this is what what had happened and refused to recognize the signs of the Messiah in this miracle. As far as they were concerned, the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath meant that he couldn't be from God. They've also shown that they don't love people in their care. There is no hint of joy among the Jewish leaders that this man has been healed of his blindness. And in fact, the man ends up being evicted uh, from the temple. Going slightly further back in the story of John, uh, we see that that story itself is an image of of, uh, Jesus' previous big statement, I am the light of the world. And the image of the sheep and the image of the light of the world are very closely linked. The light of the world is in some ways the central image of John's gospel, and it places the story of Christ into the whole cosmic story of God's overarching plan for the world. In the first act of creation in Genesis, God says, let there be light, and he separated light from darkness. But through humanity's sin, the world falls back into darkness. The world, in a sense, is decreated, sent back towards darkness and chaos. But in Christ, all creation is restored. And John wants us to understand Christ this way. His gospel account starts the same way as Genesis, in the beginning. And the creation process, again, starts with light, the person of Christ, entering the world as the light which brings life. And yet those who should have recognized God's intervention in the world don't. The Jewish leaders fail to see Christ as the creator God restoring his world, and therefore they place themselves on the outside of God's plans for the restored creation. Only those who do recognize Christ for who he is get to be part of what he is doing. This is a little excerpt from the prologue of John. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So throughout John, light and darkness, sight and blindness, become an image uh, for whether or not Christ's incoming kingdom is being recognized. And in the image of the good shepherd, Jesus switches light and blindness for the inability or the ability to hear the voice of the shepherd. The man born blind is given physical sight, and that is a metaphor for him also gaining spiritual sight. 
He recognizes Jesus as being from God and worships him. And as Jesus announces, I am the good shepherd, we still find him at Jesus' feet in humility and worship. He is the sheep who is part of Jesus' flock. And meanwhile, the Jewish leaders, the hired hands, stand there in arrogance and disbelief. They don't recognize Jesus and show themselves to be blind. And they are left on the outside of the kingdom. What's worse is that Jesus says that he has sheep who are not of this fold. In other words, Gentiles who will recognize the voice and be included in the new flock ahead of these unhearing Jews. So there is light outside the temple, and yet there is darkness within it. So what does it mean to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, to recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd? Well, it doesn't mean um, mindless, uncritical acceptance, and it doesn't mean voices coming out of the clouds. If you get a chance to read through uh, chapter 9 and the story of the man born blind, you'll see what it meant. Um, It it meant experiencing the work of God um, in your life, thinking through what it could mean, coming to a recognition of who Jesus was, the creator who came to restore creation, and responding to the call that Jesus places on your life or on his life to follow him. So this sheep, the man born blind, in the midst of the crowds at the watering hole, has heard the voice of his shepherd calling in the distance and has gone to him uh, to find new life. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So as you start to look into this week, try to see yourself as a sheep, not a Lake District sheep, but a desert wilderness sheep, totally dependent on your shepherd for life and sustenance, concerned only with keeping your eye on him. But go beyond that. See this also um, as a promise for all who hear and respond to his voice, that one day we will be led into the green pastures of the restored kingdom. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, in the midst of experiences of bad shepherds, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that we can trust you and that we can follow you, uh, knowing fully that you will lead us um, into uh, your kingdom. We thank you for this image of beautiful grazing land. and We long uh, for the desert we find ourselves in to be replaced by the beautiful new grazing land of the kingdom. And we say, come Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.